0: let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts welcome to opinions and we're back in your ears once again the beer is in the glass it's a new
1: year and it's quite possibly a new us as well isn't it martin yeah, although I still reckon there'll be a few creatures of habits moments, Steve. And can I just say happy new year to you? And to you too, and to our listeners as, as well. And, and that that little opening
0: there um, hints towards where we may be going with this week's show, because we are going to be looking back at the listener survey, which we're very grateful for all of our listeners um, for feeding back on. And we're going to be talking about how we're going to use that to shape what opinions Sounds like in the future, aren't we?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I'm very excited to go through this with you, Steve, and also for our listeners to get a bit of an insight about some of the discussions we've had in the past and what we're going to have
0: today. Obviously, we've got the first beer in the glass this week. What is it we are drinking first of
1: all, mate? I think we're both quite excited about this one, Steve. So it's called Bricktop Buxton Brewery, 6.8%, English IPA. I'm very much looking forward to trying this. So let's get into it. Cheers. Cheers. That's really tasty.
0: It's really, f- it's fruity, but in a very sort of
1: hedgerow type of way. Yeah, but it's, it's a little bit dry, a bit earthy. It's also quite, it's very fruity. It's almost understated. It's also it's quite subtle. It's there. And it may sound like we discussed, you know, talking about a bit of a juice bomb. I think flavour and aroma are juicy, but it's a very the, the beer is nice and clear. Maybe a little bit haze, hop haze? Do you reckon? I, I think so. Yeah, it's a, a nice frothy
0: white white head on it. It's it's surprised me actually. It's not it's not what I was expecting because this is very much using I suppose what's being considered as the next generation of UK grown hops. So this has got Jester Olicana. Harley Quinn and mystic in it now i i don't know what the origins of those hops are in in terms of where they potentially come from
1: in in terms of their dna just as probably the one i'm most familiar with because Adams have used that before haven't they yes yeah uh ollie khan i think i've had a couple of times mystic not familiar with that one so i wouldn't know the background or the family heritage for mystic but considering they've all got names then i've obviously gone past a point where they have that hbc 432 type code so they're now becoming a bit more established and it does feel like the british hop growers or at least a you know a small section of them are starting to branch out a little bit try to bring some of those flavors and aromas that we've grown to love from either the you know the us or you know australia and new zealand those kind of hops but also make it a bit British still. And you sort of said it there, the Hedgerow. Mm. I don't really think you get Hedgerow outside of the UK. Off, Well, certainly not saying I recognise outside of the UK beers anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, I find, um, what is it, Bram, Bramling Cross. I, I find that to be quite fruity and kind of a berry sort of blackberry. You've just picked this off of... Uh, a hetero type of way and i, I feel as though these the, the combination of these hops have got some very similar characteristics to that in in terms of the little bit little bit darker fruits playing a little bit more to the the, the earthiness of where they've grown and that balancing out with the
1: the, the dry bitterness on the finish yeah uh, and it is really well balanced you know this is a, a 440 can three pounds. You don't have to buy a pack. It's a single can purchase. So again, plenty, obviously plenty of discussions over the past about the merits of supermarkets and stuff. But a 6.8% beer for three quid in a supermarket of this kind of, of, this kind of quality it's going to tick a lot of boxes for a lot of people.
0: I'm, I'm really pleased we're, we've started with this actually, because I think I, I was quite worried in terms of the other two beers that we've got that, that, that maybe the flavors and the profiles of those beers might overshadow the ingredients in this beer, which is why I wanted to start off with this one on a very fresh palette so that we could almost
1: pick up the intricacies of those UK hops. Yeah, no, I think it's a good shout actually. And um, yeah, I, I said I don't know. Obviously, don't know what else is behind the beer, what the what the malt malt bills like, that kind of thing. But this beer, I don't picture as a cask beer, though. I can't see this as a cask beer. I I think it needs that
0: that cold fizzy punch that you get from draft or from the can.
1: Yeah, I can picture being in Buxton, maybe at their tap room, drinking a a pint of this from the tap, and I think I'd enjoy it. And it definitely feels it. Feels like this is the sort of beer I'd like to revisit in spring or summer.
0: Yeah, I think I think this could become a bit of a staple. At, actually, I'm very impressed with the profile and the flavors that, that are in it. And one last thing I want to say,
1: because I've got a bit off Buxton. I'll be honest. Ditto. Uh, same here. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know what what they've done to Axe Edge, um, I'm not a fan of, and a few of their other beers. Uh, I think they're dark beers, which I still have had. Um, I, I found, find very little fault with those at all but their pale beers have just gone too far on the juicy side and moved away from what they were by all means bring out an alternative version of Axe Edge of the more New England style but don't fuck around with the classic that was already well loved and really to my opinion didn't have much wrong with it don't just do a Wilem with uh, was it uh jakehead yeah and pretend it's the same beer it's not it's nowhere near the same beer so why would you do that and that's that's put me off wylam and it's put me off buxton however this shows what they can do You are just
0: smashing into the new year with controversy (laughs) here, aren't you? I just can just imagine some of our listeners already getting riled up. I I, I think there are at least a few people that disagree that Axe has changed. Uh, I I think it's changed. I I, I think it's a very different beer from what it was when I first tried it. And I have to agree that Jakehead is a a different beer completely than from
1: when, when I first discovered that beer. So I'm really pleased to see that Buxton can still put out a well-balanced, clear beer, and at the same time showcasing some new British hops as well. So, yeah, I'm a real fan of this one. So much so that we should probably... Start moving on with the rest of the show.
0: Otherwise, this is going to be the first beer that evaporates this year on, on, on one of our podcasts. So let's catch up with what our listeners have been saying about the show. Let us know. Write it down.
1: Let us know. Write it
0: down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it
1: down. Talking about the beer cocktails. Enjoyed this more than I thought I would. Going to try the Espresso Martini and Guinness cocktail from Simon Webster at Bee's Boy. And from Dr. Goggles. After listening to this, I gave grapefruit redler. There was no shof in in Sainsbury's and ginago. Lovely drink goes down really well. And yes, that's a big measure. Um, actually, I, th- I think a few people may have mentioned the grapefruit redler with um, gin. I can picture that working. To be honest, I have to admit,
0: I, I can. And and I think if we're gonna if if we're gonna repeat the beer cocktail show, which there seems to be interest in us doing that again um then i i think that's one that goes on the list for, for next year is the um grapefruit radler and gin for sure um, it might not be a cocktail but
1: fuck it it's it, it sounds like it's delicious i reckon it will it would be delicious um and do you know what uh simon you really said you enjoyed this more than you thought you would i think steve and i did as well
0: yeah, very, very much so. And I think there was also another comment from um, early on in in the day when we released that show, show. I think it came from Pete at Hops and Hoops, who said, "I'm 12 minutes in, and I guarantee the wheels are coming off on this one." And and I think I replied to him. By any chance, has Martin just poured us a shot of tequila each? <laughs> <laughs> I think we held it together quite well to, towards the the end of that show. It was it was a lot of fun though, wasn't it? Uh, trying by, those combinations.
1: It was a lot of fun, and you know and yeah mixed results there's some surprising results um I, but i will say that i we me and steve by no measure topped the guinness espresso martini that we had in dublin
0: no that's probably the best one i've ever had as as, as well maybe not quite so sweet as the ones
1: that we ended up making yeah but it, it was good fun and uh you know essentially maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll call it the opinions christmas party for 2022 <laughs> I
0: should look forward to that. I'll start planning it now, shall I? Open a new tab on the spreadsheet. Talking of uh, Christmas parties and the end of the year, looking back at comments from the end of year review show. So from your boy, Rob Edwards, some dust has blown into my eyes while listening to this. Thank you both for what you do. Uh, and I think Rob was particularly touched by the outro track that I chose to use on this year's end of year show. So um, thank you, Rob, for, for listening and thank you for contributing. From Simple Things at ST Fermentations, rounding off 2021 with our wheat wine getting enjoyed in alongside Sierra and Nevada, Fuller's and Thornbridge. I'll take that. Thanks to all the amazing folk who have supported us this year and Merry Christmas, everybody. And then from Pete at Hops and Hoops, a great roundup of a great year
1: of shows. Cracking end of year to what has been a superb year of podcast, been a wonderful distraction in these continued uncertain times. From Hugh at H Yardley 33. From Bob K at Bob Kamara. Sorry to break it to you, but Vault City has made a glitter beer. It was good though.
0: I that was in response to a comment you made, wasn't it? Didn't yeah. you, you say something about, at least we haven't had glitter beers yet. <laughs> Apparently we have.
1: Apparently we have. We Somehow you and I missed that one. Uh, I'm not but, surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised, but I'm not surprised it may have been Bolt City as well, considering the some of the beers they bring out. From James at Gavin Baron, even with the restrictions of 2021, you should both be immensely proud of what you've been able to broadcast this year. It's certainly whet the appetite for 2022 and summer sesh. P.S., Best winter ale is pork brewing, barrel-aged Santa's Little Helper. Um, just all of those words, I want to try that. Yeah, sounds sounds really delicious, doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> and, and finally from me, uh, Simon Dewhurst at Simon Esloff. Great episode and wonderful look back at all the brilliant content you've put out this year. I'm just glad that Simon stayed with it because it was two,
0: two hours and nine minutes, just over Simon's threshold. Uh, I'm very glad he stayed, stayed with
1: it till the end. Well... A, he may have put it on 1.1 or 1.2 speed just to bring it under the two hours. <laughs> or maybe he only got as far as one hour 59.59. 59. Maybe, maybe. Uh, I, I think we'll make a resolution at that point. Simon, that, that's the
0: last time we'll have a dig about the two hour <laughs> comment. Uh, we've had our fun with, with that one. From Mark Johnson, excellent present wrapping entertainment. Loved the end of year show and this one is, was especially lovely. And from Russ Clark at Gentleman of Beer, just catching up on the end of year show. Thanks so much for the lovely mentions. Means a lot to us all here at Amity. And then from Austin at Beer Tweeting, thanks for having Johnny on to talk about his book. Really enjoyed it. I've been drinking the Anchor Christmas beers every year since I moved to the Bay Area and discovered it in 2012. Changes every year, as does the tree on the label. Plenty of flops, plenty of good. But this year was really something special.
1: So is Austin living? In the Bay Area, then still is this he, another? He, he must be. I think we've. I think we've picked up a new US contributor. Yeah. Um. Again, from the similar sort of area as where Graham lives, isn't it? Yes, I think so. Want to say similar? I mean, there's probably quite 200 miles between where probably they live the and size lives. of the UK. <laughs> <laughs> um. But no, that's. I mean, I never did. I didn't. I didn't know that the uh, the tree changed on the label for the Anchor Christmas beers. I I knew that. Uh, I know that was a thing,
0: that that they did. Um, I didn't realise they quite used some different ingredients every year, though. So I'm, I'm guessing that's uh, probably similar to what Fuller's do. Maybe they use ingredients that are um, showcasing what
1: went on in that year sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's really it's a really nice idea. And I've managed to have the anchor Christmas beer the last two or three years now. So it's becoming another bit of a thing.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, and I'm sure we discussed this on on that end of year show, um, I think I maybe tried it once and I wasn't that blown away by it. So never really gone back and tried it again. So maybe I should give it a go this year if I can get hold of something.
1: Because I wasn't blown away the first time either. So I think, it's again, it's one of those occasions where maybe palette has changed. Maybe it wasn't the right year, but I tried. Combination of the above. Maybe just understanding and appreciating it a little bit more as well. So I think we, I think we may have had the same one at the same time. It may have been a bottle share one. I think so.
0: Yeah. So it's probably out of season as well, wasn't it? To be so maybe it?
1: A, maybe a bit out of season. We may have had six or seven other tasters before that, plus a couple of warm up beers, um, and sometimes you're not actually as focusing as much on the beer as perhaps you could be because there's 10 or 12 of you, there's conversations going on, and sometimes it's, it's easier to pick up the stuff you don't like as well, isn't it? It is, and it's, it's not just that, and I'm sure we've had this discussion before as well, but when, when
0: you get a fairly small pour uh, at Bottle Share, as opposed to having a, a, a full pour, half glass, a whole bottle, it tastes very, very different in, in terms of what's essentially a mouthful compared to a, a drink that you're going to go back to again and again and again. So, so, yeah, maybe it wasn't in its peak environment, so to speak, when we both tried it. But I, I think based on what you've said and based on what some of the listeners have said as well, I think it's definitely one that I'll, I'll look out for as we approach. Uh, I'm not going to say the word because it's only January. cannot yes. bring myself to say that word No, now. you can't. Um, but as we that's... approach the end of this year, I shall be keeping an
1: eye out for yeah. the, the anchor I mean, beer. I suppose on the upside as well. I mean, it does seem to be getting into the UK more than it used to as well. And it is a three fifty five bottle. So, yeah, unlike the fullest vintage, which is five hundred, if you if you can buy it as potentially part of a mixed case as well, I don't know what it, I don't know what it's like ageing. I have to admit that's the one thing I haven't really worked out what it's like for the ageing process. I'm
0: sure there are people out there that have tried that, and if you're one of them, let us know. Let us know if they age well, and and let us know if it's worth me starting another collection
1: of beers in my cellar because that's what we (laughs) see that's that's my worry because i said it's another beer i've started to think oh i need to try the next year's one because that means then i think i need to buy two one for now and one for next year oh i've already got the fullers and then we start adding in maybe a few other people's barley wines and stuff and suddenly i've suddenly got this whole subsection of beers (laughs) yeah (laughs) again how, how, how was your Christmas festive drinking, Steve?
0: Yeah, it was quite muted, actually. I took it quite easy this year because I think last year I I went quite hard early on and I literally burnt myself out by Boxing Day and then had to take... Um, I got to the point where I just was like, I ha- I've got to take a few days off the beer. I, I think last year was... Not last year, but the year before now was the first year i would never finished my 12 beers of Christmas because I, I stopped halfway through because I just needed a break. So, so this year I just took it a little bit easier, um, had uh, a couple of big nights. Christmas Eve was a fairly big one. New Year's Eve was, was a fairly big one as as well. And then just between was just enjoying a combination of the beers that I had selected for my 12 beers of Christmas and some other beers that were popping out of the, the, the cellar for my ongoing 50 beers for 50 years project. Well,
1: should we, st- should we start there? So what, what 50 beers or 50 years have you had recently then? Re- well, recently, since because we haven't actually spoken about this for quite a
0: while on, on the podcast. So uh, to give a bit of a snapshot as to where I'm up to uh, about now, I think I'm 14 beers in now on 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 that particular project and that there have been two occasions where beers that had got drawn out of the magical sorting tank had uh got bumped for um beers that I've got a separate list of if you see these beers on draft they have to be drunk and and there were two occasions one of them being when I went to the Thornbridge Taproom and there was Jaipur sorry to bring that up again mate but every opportunity you know what it's like and and the other opportunity the the other one that that got subbed in so to speak was when Oregon Trail was on cask at the Vic so that they both became that they were always on the list but they were draft versions and I've got to say I always believed that the Oregon Trail that would feature in my 50 beers for 50 years would be the keg version of it because that's how it's presented as, as a west coast ipa but i'm damn glad that i
1: included the cask version because that that was just stunning i'll make no apologies for mentioning it again because obviously i was surprised that i was still able to get it when i popped into the vic uh when i caught up with michael before christmas and it was just it was it was simply stunning in a in almost a completely different way you knew it was still the same beer it's really hard for me to find the right words to to describe that experience i knew it was the same beer but presented through cask and presented through cask in a place which knows how to serve it as well and i'm pretty certain that cask elusive only went to places that knew how to present it Mm. it was just an amazing beer and if i could have stayed there longer because there was another beer i wanted to try and then i was off I think you, I mean, you, like I said before, I think you, you made sure that you tested it. So, I mean, you know, again, five pints tested. Yeah. Credit where credit's due. It was so drinkable and at least on the tap version, or if you're having it from the can, you're going to have it that bit colder. And I think there comes an all, there comes a point where sometimes that just sort of builds up, doesn't it? The little bit of extra carbonation, the bit of the chill factor, but through the cask, there was none of that.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think that's where there's a little bit of genius in that beer as as well, in terms of... I know a lot of people have been, not critical, but a, a few folk have mentioned the, the ABV on it being quite low for what they consider to be a West Coast IPA. But actually, that 5.8% worked perfectly on cask because you just... Well, and I did, just... Pint after pint after pint of it, Sorry. and it wasn't until much later on in that evening that that
1: hit me. Sorry, what people were really what saying the ABV was too low. There were
0: there were a few there were a few comments early on saying it was it was a bit it was a bit low on the scale for, for what they because I, I think we're at a, we're at a stage where a, a lot of people have been conditioned in in terms of an IPA should be. Six, six and a half upwards, going up into the sevens, early sevens. And, and then in, in my mind, when you start getting into the eight sort of territory, I, I think you start talking about double IPAs yeah. or imperial IPAs Definitely. at that point. But yeah, there, there were a few comments early on. But I, th- I think what what that beer's done is it's shown that at that, at that ABV, it's probably one of the most sessionable beers in, in the UK for what it is, not advocating that you should go out and, and, and session Oregon trowel. Although twice last year I did once, once on cask and once on keg at, at, at Elusive Brew do, do, when I went does, to the tap room.
1: Does your research know no band
0: bound, Steve? I just, our listeners don't appreciate what, what we put into this show.
1: <laughs> I, I really think they don't. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I find it odd that, you know, given that a session IPA, the general consensus is it's definitely under five percent then surely five percent plus i would say anything between five and a bit and seven and a bit ticks a west coast ipa and if you can pack the punch the flavor the aroma the finish into something under the six percent again going back to what you said a couple of minutes ago there's a bit of genius there
0: yeah Yeah, definitely. like you said, the the, the cast version is is just something else. And, uh, you know, uh, during those five points, I was really struggling to find the words for it. And I I think I've just come up with the analogy as we've been talking about it there. It was was like watching your favourite TV show, but all the actors from that show are in a completely different show. So it's familiar and and you know who everybody is, but it's... completely different set set in a completely different place and, oh. and that's what Car oregon trail was for me one division then it, essentially yeah it's it was just it it took for, for a beer that i mean if anybody's running a clock on this we, we've <laughs> been we, we've been waxing lyrical about oregon trail for about 18 <laughs> months now um that's that's how good this beer is you you, you know it's it's featured for the last two years in our end of year review shows in both our beer of the years and in other people's beer of the years as well. It's, it's a fantastic beer and, uh, I, I don't think it's the last time it's going to be mentioned tonight either, because I think there's something coming up later on that that will trigger this conversation again. But yeah, I, I just think um, the cast version of it, I mean, it was it was fully, fully deserving of its late substitution into my 50 beers for 50 years. Yeah, list. no,
1: I, I, I definitely agree. So what other 50 beers? I, I presume the rest of them are pretty much going to be small pack at home then.
0: Uh, Yeah, just just a few, uh, a few highlights. Uh, Torside's Dogs of War, War Russell 2019.2, which was a port aged American barley wine, was absolutely fucking delicious. I, I can't even find the words for how good that beer was. I've had that in my cellar for about 18 months now as well. And I think it I don't know what it was like fresh. But I, I think when I drank it, it was absolutely perfect. It, it, it tasted absolutely spot on. Um, Red Danson a, appeared. Obviously, it had to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had it as my, as my first beer of my 50 beers for 50 years for 2022 because obviously this is the year that I turned 50. So it, it seemed only, it seemed only fitting. And and then the other one um, that I just mentioned was uh, a couple of years ago, back in 2018, Wylam did an English quadruple with, it was a collaboration with a local, I think it was a local cidery. That, is, is that what they're called? Cider producers? Cidery? Or I just made that up.
1: I, I i guess we'll we'll find out at some point in the near future steve yeah so any, anyway um th- there were no apples or or, or in, in in this quad
0: but it was just absolutely delicious full of depth full of flavor um kind of like and it, it was almost 12 percent, so it was kind of like if you took tint meadow and ramped up the 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 malt bill and the hops and everything you would have got this english quadruple i i, I think so that that was quite delicious and then uh, there were a couple that were a little bit of a miss for me as well. So I had the Adnams Both Barrels, which, which is a beer that we both have enjoyed in, in, in the past. So this is where Adnams take broadside. They put it in um, whiskey barrels. They throw some cherries in there and they let it do its thing. Uh, I had a 2019 version of that and I didn't enjoy it. I, it, was, it was tart. It was too sour. It was flat. Um, there was no life to it. And I really, I really don't think, firstly, I really don't think the bottles that Adnams use for both barrels do it any favors because they're, they're these like Grosh flip top things that have got the rubber seal. And, and I think there's oxygen escaping from that rubber seal. And, and that's why the beer is flat. But I, I did the 2019 version alongside last year's version. So I did it alongside a fresh version. And the fresh version was stunning. You were still getting all the broadside characteristics. It was beginning to pick up some of the, the the oak from the barrels. There was a little bit of tartness in there from the cherries. And I just think it was one of those that I just let it age too far. Yeah, I mean,
1: because I had uh, the both one of the both barrels. I think it, I think I had one of the fresh versions. I'm not sure, actually. I might have had the 2019 as well. Um, but, I mean, it is 10%. It is barrel aged so a couple of years shouldn't right you might expect the cherries to start to fade for example but the carbonation and the the vine- the vine- the sharpness the spikiness feels almost accelerated and I, yeah. I do wonder if that is the bottle again i've got no science behind that but it doesn't feel that it's the best it looks nice don't get me wrong. Back in the day, growing up, I, I was fascinated by the, the Grolsch bottles, you know, because you could you didn't need a bottle over. Brilliant, excellent. But for ten percent beer, when the base beer is really good anyway, and they don't put the base beer in a flip top bottle,
0: I, I don't understand why they don't just cap them and then if they if they want to they want to make something, you know, if they want to do like a presentation out of it then then cap it and wax seal it i I know it's a little bit more work to do but
1: i I think it's going to keep the beer better yeah i would agree because every time the fresher i've had the both barrels the better it has been and i have got a couple of beers left because i go because i'm quite lucky i get up to southward fairly fairly regularly relatively speaking i think they're going to go in the next six months because i don't want them all to be sharp flat Mm. And getting a little bit harsh because um, that's not what I love about it. No, and, and going forward,
0: certainly from Adnams both barrels point of view, I'm going to be drinking those fresh. I'm not going to be aging those. Uh, I'm going to be drinking them as they release because actually, having done the comparison this year, I think that's when they're at their the, when they're at the best. Now, now that wasn't the only point over Christmas, where I had a bit of an issue with a beer that I'd aged as, as well. So one of the beers that featured in my 12 beers of Christmas, it was the beer that I drank on Christmas Day. It also was doubling up as a 50 beers for 50 years beer as well. And that was a beer that both you and I, surprisingly, without each other knowing, chose as our beer of the years independently in 2018, which was the Beaver Town oh. and Three Floyds Heavy Lord.
1: So this 14, was the 14% beast.
0: bourbon barrel aged imperial stout, which was absolutely delicious in in, in 2018 um, from everything I remember. So I was really looking forward to that, to revisiting that. I'd saved it for Christmas Day, poured it in the evening, um, took one whiff of it. And all I got was alcohol. And I was like, oh, hang on a minute. This is that's not how I remember it back in 2018 I remember no. it being boozy but I don't remember it burning my nostrils as, as I took a whiff of it and the flavors were still there but they'd just been overtaken by this huge cloud of warming booze and I just think I let it go too far I, I, I read the label and it had actually said it actually said on the label. Um, ageing potential which I've not seen before uh, which said two years so maybe I let it go a little bit a a year too far but again for a beer of that size you would expect it to be able to develop in time but yeah it was unfortunately it wasn't the wonderful experience that I remember it
1: being back in 2018. Well given my recollection of having it my first time having it was on a a sunny summer afternoon at the Beaver Town Tap and I remember chocolate, coffee. It was thick and yes, it was boozy, but it was boozy the right way. It was boozy to let you know it was a 14% beer. It wasn't just burn. Um, And yes, I I would have been the same as you though, Steve, if I'd had a bottle, I would have expected it to have uh, developed, but not quite to the extent you described it over a three year period for that size of beer. and I think that brings that will bring us on to an interesting discussion as we go through some of the other Christmassy highlights. But enthralled I have been with your stories of your beers has made me finish my first beer. My Brit Hop has gone. I think you said it earlier, it might become a bit of a staple. I don't know if it'll become a staple just because it's 6.8 at a 4.40. If this was 6.8 in 330s, in four packs, I could I could picture myself buying that. Absolutely,
0: yeah. I think that the thing that I found with it was as it sat in the glass and, and became began to just warm a little. I, I think it the bitterness started to come through a little bit more, and, and it's a lovely earthy bitterness yeah. as, as as well that you get from that. And those the, those hops and the flavors coming from those hops, lots of stone fruit, lots like I say, lots of dark berries for me. They really played really nicely. With, with that dry earthy bitterness. And and yeah, that's that's a really
1: that's a really delicious little beer. Yeah, it's 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 I'll be honest, it's restored a little bit of faith uh for me about Buxton. If I was gonna go to Buxton area, Buxton Bakewell area, then I would I would almost go there just to try that on tap. If I'm being yeah. honest.
0: Yeah, because um, because I'm sure it's probably a, a, a staple in their tap room as well. Um, I, you know, well, if it isn't, it should be. That's all I'm going to say. What well, if they've got it on the shelves in Tesco? You would
1: expect it to be almost a permanent draft line in their tap room. You'd hope so. So, I guess we should move on to the second beer then, Steve. This is a beer that we've featured before, which I didn't realise when I suggested we do it.
0: This is from North Brewing Co. and it's Lost Cosmonauts. This is a double dry hopped IPA coming in at six percent. Did you realise how far back we'd done this, Steve? Well, and until just before we started recording, I hadn't realised that I'd had, had it before. And, and it wasn't until I checked Untapped that it came up that we'd done it on Opinions 92? Yes, our, our third birthday. Goodness
1: me, how, how things have uh, raced past since then. Uh-huh. And I think we purposely chose beers that people could drink along with us from the supermarket. So presumably this has been a supermarket staple since then. For for a couple of years. I think this is one of the –
0: when there was that kind of big wave of supermarket releases uh, back in 2019, this was in the second or third wave of those releases. And, yeah, it's been one that's been a, a staple on on the supermarket, or certainly on Tesco's shelf, ever ever since. And I know
1: it's one that uh, a lot of people think very highly of as well. Um, I, I don't think I've revisited it since then. It looks delicious in the glass. So, shall we dig in, Steve? Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. Now, in my head, I seem to think this was a thicker, juicier beer. And I don't know whether that's true or not. I haven't I haven't checked my previous check in, but so this is described as a hazy hoppy IPA, mosaic and equinate hops, piney aroma, tropical stone fruit flavours and very drinkable and initial flavour and aroma. It's sort of um, agreeing with that for me. I would have to agree. Yes,
0: I, I, I think it's um, it's certainly a contrast to, to the first beer and it's going to take me a few sips to almost acclimatize to, to, to the different
1: flavors but I, I think it's ticking all of those boxes. Uh, so I've just had a quick look. My, my description from September 2019, soft and fruity, hello Robinson's orange barley squash in a can.
0: I said something a little similar, tropical juice from beginning to end, absolutely no finish, wasn't even like drinking a beer, I like to know when drinking a beer... Uh, I only gave it a rating of 2.5 and somebody did call me out on untapped for that and said I, it was a little bit of a harsh review.
1: I, I think it was probably fair at the time. I give it 3.25 and uh, no one called me out, Steve. So it's obviously just your antagonistic nature, I'm afraid. That's all I can say, mate. While we're drinking this, I think I've spoken enough about what I've enjoyed over Christmas.
0: What about yourself, Martin? What have you been in, enjoying over the over the festive period? Well,
1: a bit like yourself, did the twelve beers of Christmas. Uh, the approach that Michelle and I take is to double up on days when we're having a few drinks anyway, rather than literally drinking one beer a day, and that that works better for us. And I also I know we're always sharing them as well, so having a couple of them on the same time works quite nicely. But before I speak about those highlights, I did I did revisit a beer at the at the end of the year. I had the Heretic Brewing Evil Free. Goodness me, IPA. you've done well to hold on to that. Uh, I I think I did a mixed six pack from the Mont Miller, and it was still tasting fabulous. I think uh, Mick may have asked me if it was getting more towards a barley wine, and no, it wasn't. It was, I mean. I think the malt miller, and in, in conjunction with heretic, it's all cold chained, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it was tasting so good, and it just put me right back to when we had that interview with Jameer. It was like thinking about drinking the evil free again. It was just like such a good beer. I've I've seen pictures on Twitter in the last week that they've just
0: they've just brewed this year's version. I'd be quite keen to get hold of that again. I'm 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 hoping it's coming back over by, yeah. by the malt miller.
1: Yeah, definitely. We'll get on to that. Um, and then the, before I do the 12 beers of Christmas, a uh, bit of a shout out for uh, a brewery who is local to me, the Leon C Brewery. They brought out their first barley wine. Uh, so they've they've originally called it the 2021 barley wine. Had it on cask. So, you know, uh, when you used to, be able to try the old Fuller's Vintage on cask at either the Great British Beer Festival um, or even the London Craft Beer Festival. Um, got to try it on cast through a hand pull, and I will tell you what, it was tasting so nice. It had all of those lovely but young, fresh like fruit cake flavors and aroma. Uh, just had a had a half pint of it, eight and a half percent, so it sits exactly in the same ballpark as the uh, Fuller's Vintage Ale, and it was tasting really good. So I did pick, I did pick up a couple of five hundred milliliter bottles of that, but again, it was really nice, and I do like. Trying those beers when they're young and fresh. And uh, speaking of which, I had to do the Fuller's 2021, obviously. Well, I, d- I drank that over Christmas. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you're going to say about it. It was, it's, it put me in mind of 2018, to be honest. Um, it had the same qualities about it. It felt like it's, it can only, well, for a period of time, it feels like it can only get better. But, and it's a big, but if you drank all of your stock right now, you would enjoy it a lot. Um, it was, it was, it was fruity. It was delicious, lovely carbonation. It was, so I think we spoke about either, I think it was 2019. It's a real slow burn. Mm. And it puts me in mind that some of the stuff we see from Jezza sometimes talking about the steel net that some, some years, It just takes a long time for it to come up, come up to fruition. And the 2019 has still got a long way to go. Whereas 18 and 21 just landed and went bang, here you go, enjoy that. I loved it, really did.
0: Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. And I, much the same as you, I had those. Those memories going back to when I first tried twenty eighteen, which was just amazing when it was fresh, and it, it's it's a beer that's actually kept getting better because I've I've done that recently as well as, as part of my fifty beers for fifty
1: years again. It was oh, I did it as twelve beer Christmas.
0: Yeah, I I had it, it was in. That there was a cause because you know, I obviously draw the names out of my sorting tankard. Um, it just came out vintage out. And I looked at it and I was like, why didn't I put a year on this? And then I was like, well, because it can only be 2018, <laughs> so, That's that's the only one that can really feature. But yeah, the the 2018 is still getting better. And I'm I'm glad I think I've I've still got at least one, maybe two bottles of 2018.
1: Yeah, I I think I must have 2018. I must have the same. I think, but at least I've got definitely at least one. But yeah, it put me right in mind of that as well. It's just again, I think we had this fear when high bought Fuller's Brewery. What would happen to these beers? 2020 I enjoyed, but 2021 was I t- it was right up there with 20 2018. It was superb. So. At the moment, I don't have a fear factor. I, I, I'm not going
0: to take anything away from the beers in terms of the buyout, but there's a little. There's a couple of little packaging niggles that are getting to me. The first is that it's lost the little leaflet in the box that used to give you a bit more detail uh, about the beer. That no longer exists.
1: Was there any more detail than what was on the back of the box? A little though?
0: bit more. Just a, just a little bit more. And the other thing that I've noticed this year is the label no longer goes over the cap. It just goes around the top of the bottle. So wherein before the the cap was sealed down with that year's vintage label, that that's not there anymore. And I'm guessing that's
1: a minor cost saving that they're looking at. But those little things get to me. I'll be honest. I noticed that they didn't have the little extra card inside. I hadn't noticed the uh, little extra strip above the bottle cap. So now you've ruined my next bottle for me. Thanks, I, Steve. I noticed it mainly because it's normally a pain in the arse to, to get it off to make it look like <laughs> a
0: decent photo. So actually, they've done me a bit of a favour in terms of taking decent photos,
1: but it it's taken away a little bit from the presentation for me. Yeah, I get that, and you're you're probably right. someone's looks and said, "Look, doesn't really make much difference." We've we've maybe they did a survey and said how many people even though there's a card in the box, uh, and how many people read it. And it could be a really small subset of people, so yeah. um, I mean, I, credit where credit's due, Michelle chose all of the 12 beers of Christmas and they were all really good. I had no issues with any of them, no issues with uh, the aging of them, it worked really well. However, I had wished she'd gone a bit further back into the cellar, as in terms of years, because we do have some old, old is that they're more aged either purposely or otherwise than some of the beers we have for the 12 beers of Christmas. So I've sort of made a bit of a news resolution, which I have uh, suggested is a shared new year's resolution to get through some of the older beers, because I'm now getting to that bit where it probably was prompted a little bit by the Adams discussion we had offline stage that when are my beers and we've spoken about it before, when do they peak? When do they not peak? And I do have Fuller's beers, which are well over 10 years now. Yeah. And I don't know the provenance of all of them, who's looked after them, where they've been, how they've been transported. And last year, on Michelle and I's 50th birthday, we did have um, a beer, which was, I think it was the Fuller's. I want to say 2006, but I could be wrong. I'd have to check. Um, whatever one it was, it was a disappointment. It was more of that musty seller quality that I think you and I found in a couple of the older ones on opinions one hundred. I was going to say
0: that, yeah, I think we found that just on 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 that show, just going back, what was that? That was eight years at the time we had gone back yeah and 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 I think yeah, i've I've got to agree with what you're saying because what what I'm finding going through some my cellar beers on, on, on my 50 beers journey is, is that there seems to be, and it's it's difficult to make it scientific without having doing what Jezza does and, and having vintages from every year of every beer. But I'm finding that there seems to be a sweet spot in terms of what I'm enjoying uh, is around
1: the two to three to five year mark and I think that's probably still going to be with certain beers. So I think if you take, say, some of the Canteon Lambics, I would argue that for some of those, because I think they have 20 years roughly on their labels, that some of that sharpness, those fre- that fresh sharpness, is going to be like your hemlock, Steve. That's going to be dreadful to you. Whereas as they get a bit older, maturer and round off, they'll become more palatable. But I do think there's a really big set of beers where... I am going to miss the boat potentially. Um, and if it's if it's good fresh, so take, go back to that Fulner's 2018 version. Yes, we both think it was as good as, if not better, this year or just at the end of last year when we tried it. But can you imagine how gutted we would have been if it wasn't? Yeah. Yeah. Bear it well, in mind. We knew how good it was to start off with. If we'd gone, oh we've got two bottles left to this why didn't i drink it before why didn't i do it
0: yeah i, I think i think the, the one for me that, that's really burnt my fingers was was the beaver town heavy lord that I, I just think i let that go too far and i'm um, i'm hoping that there are there are a few beers still coming up on on my 50 beers for 50 years that have been in my cellar now a couple of them are approaching 10 years in, in fact the the last beer that I'm going to do on this journey will be 10 years old on the week that I'm going to drink it. And, and I'm like, I'm already wondering, Oh, is it going to be a disappointment? I'm I'm saving it. And and it's actually going to be one of the last beers on, on the journey as well. And I'm like, do I want to be that disappointed at, at the end?
1: It's a tough one, isn't it? Because I mean, equally, you could be pleased but you could be you could be surprised please but there has to be and i said i think we had this conversation with justin years ago when he brought some some beers from his cellar it does not feel like there's an exact science but i seem to recall that john keeling he sort of said the fuller's vintage definitely peaked well the latest they peaked was the 10-year mark yeah, he said that recently as, as well, didn't he? We've got the 2021 vintage. I know I've got 2011 in the cellar, and I know I've got beers earlier. If John Keeling is saying it's a 10 year max almost, then should I be keeping them? So, was there any other any other standouts for it come to mind? I mean, it's quite a good time because let it, we'll get all of last year out of the way. In terms of my 12 beers, there were there, there were two kind of
0: seasonal themed beers that I did as, as, as part of it, which is quite unusual for me. So one one of them was from the last uh, Thornbridge Beer Club box, which was called Yule, which was a uh, 9% Scotch. Ooh, Owl, that was nice. Uh, which was delicious. I drank that on Christmas Eve and it was perfect. The other one was a beer that we were sent by a friend of the show, Josh, at Meantime Brewing, which was uh, called Stolen Hours, which was a beer... Uh, reminiscent of the Stollen cake. And I had that on Boxing Day with a slice of my boozy Christmas cake. And the two worked perfectly together. That's all I'm going to say. What do you think of the Stollen? Because I, I enjoyed I, it. I, I was really a little bit hesitant. It.
1: Yeah. The, the description. And I thought, ah, oh, they've got all the right notes in the right order on this one. All the yeah. best bits of a Stollen cake were the prominent bits. And some of the bits that I'm not necessarily in favour of were sort of more in the background.
0: The Marsipan. Actually... The was in the background, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was really pleasantly surprised by that. Was it eight percent? Or... Yeah, another big beer from Meantime. Yeah, as, as, you know, as well. They feel like they've. i It feels like they've got the trust of their their owners to do something a little bit different. So, we'll keep churning out the pale ale of the IPA. We'll keep putting it out to the pubs. We'll put that in the tanks, but we can do a few specials here and there now. So I'm quite yeah. pleased about that.
0: I am. And, and the last one uh, was beer that I had earlier on last year from Harbour, and it was a collaboration that they did with Origin Coffee Roasters. It was an Imperial Coffee Stout. It was 11%. Now, I ordered a couple of cans of it, and the first can I had, I literally drank it the day it arrived because I was so excited about it because I love, I love an Imperial Stout and I love coffee, and I love it when those two things are combined together. So this one had Probably nine months on it from when I bought it. And oh my word, every flavor in it was just perfectly balanced. That the, the coffee was really, really prominent. It was a really, really dark chocolate roasted bitter finish. And it was an absolute delight to drink.
1: I that that was a real highlight for me of my 12 beers. Well, like you say, you do like you do love an Imperial stout, especially this time of year. And the the coffee aspect would definitely tip the boxes for you. Um I think the some of those beers when they do um have a bit of time on them but again no exact science but i know that uh, referring back to buxton the beer they do the beer they've done regularly in the past with has been the costa rican coffee i mean i know it's not uh, as big it's about seven percent um i don't think that i don't think that has any problem with aging for you know a year or so That like, that's comes out really nice, really rounded, works really well. And again, I think it's just the quality of both Buxton Brewery and the has-been, what they, those guys are doing. So, yeah, I've got no problem with those kind of beers being aged for a little while. But again, I, I need someone to just develop a chart. That tells you how to age stuff. How to, well, not that, you know, I suppose when to age. I think the how to age is keep it settle keep it in a cool dark place don't muck around with it just leave it alone but when do you when when do you go to that cellar you know when you see a a film or a tv show and they've got this really extravagant wine cellar and then they pull out a dusty bottle it's the same thing how do you know how do you know that bottle of wine which could at that point have a value of thousands of pounds thousands of dollars but when you open it not only could it obviously lose all its value, it could actually be just shit.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I've I've essentially got I've, got I've got three levels to my cellar at the moment, which is I've, I've got I've got the, the 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 shelf that's got all the marble stuff on it, which has got its own level at, at the moment. That just sits there and just gets added to year after year. Then I've got what I kind of call my drinking shelf, and in in there beers that I don't want to rush to get to go at the back. And sometimes those are the ones that end up getting chosen for the 12 beers of Christmas because they're just sat there at the back. And I feel like it's time to move them through. And then at the moment I've got my, my final, like the floor of the cellar is all of the 50 beers for 50 years or, or the ones that are in contention that, that will eventually get drunk. So come, come September this year, I'm going to have a very empty bottom shelf because that most of those are going to be gone by then. Um, a subsection of that bottom shelf is my new Fuller's vintage collection, because obviously we drank through my collection for opinions, one hundred and I've been rebuilding them up since then. So um, yeah, much like yourself, I keep having these subsections of beers that I'm keeping <laughs> and it's like, it's, honestly, sometimes you sit down with yourself, you like, what are you keeping it for? what <laughs> what are you keeping this for why are you keeping it you've got two amazing bottles of full as 2018 in that cellar drink them drink them now but then there's that little voice in your head going but what if it's better in six months time
1: i know i know we need people to let us know when when how how do we know can anyone add some science to this please because you know steve and i can't
0: yeah, I, I would love to hear from our listeners on this. Um, as always, use the hashtag opinions. Let us know, let us know what your highlights were from over the, the the Christmas period, which beers you really enjoyed. But also let us know how you go about ageing beers and, and, and when to drink them. Do you bother, in, in, in fact, or do you just drink beers when they arrive? I mean, the, the dilemma I've got at the moment, and this is a very recent one, this week, uh, elusive have released
1: an American barley wine. Should that be drunk fresh? Should that be aged? I would. I, judging by what Andy said recently, I would definitely, definitely be having one of those straight away.
0: Enough about us, mate. We've we've, we've spoken quite a lot in in the opening on on this week's podcast about uh, you and I and what we've been up to, and how we're enjoying the beers. I'm almost done with this Lost Cosmonauts, and I've got to say, I think based on what I said on my last
1: check in. I mean, join it more the second time round. Right. So two and a half years ago, September 2019, we, we did a, and this is when we could, we were still obviously readily recording in person. So we shared five or six beers that evening. There was a, at least one funky-ish beer in there. Do you think it's where it set in the night? Do you think you've changed a little bit? Do you think the beer's different?
0: I, maybe it's a combination of all three. I I know I'm going to jump right up on the fence there. Um, But I think it's, I I think my tastes have changed maybe a little in in terms of I am looking for the flavour characteristics more than than, than certain things. And I certainly know what I can um, revert to if, if I need a bitter kick because I'm, I'm still obviously still a fan of the bitterness. I
1: mean, th- there is bitterness in this, which... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There is a, again, a bit of a... There is a pithy bitterness, and... I don't think that was
0: there the first time round, because I, I don't think I would have been quite so uh-huh. damning yeah. about it if, if there was any bitterness. There, there is bitterness here, and I, and, I, and I do wonder if that's... So has this beer changed? Because obviously, again, this is obviously a core beer for uh, North... And have they moved it with the times to say, well, okay, people are moving away a little bit from juicy. Let's put
1: a little bit of bitter back in it. It does feel, I mean, judging by what I wrote, I didn't mention any sort of bitterness or piffiness. It does feel like this has almost got like a bit of the skin of an orange in it or a lemon. It's got that, and that dryness to that skin feel as well. Um, Again, I think this has pleasantly surprised me. I wasn't obviously so down on it as you either, but it has pleasantly surprised me. And I would say it's a tweet, maybe a tweet recipe. Maybe if North ever come across this podcast or someone who knows them can let us know. Maybe it's a bit, it is a bit of both. It's us and the beer. And I also have a feeling it it felt a little hazier before as well. I I think it was a bit hazier than it was today. It felt a bit fuller in that respect. Otherwise, because I was quite specific, I said orange barley squash rather than just orange squash as well, which makes me think it must have felt a little bit thicker. Because the the, the Robinson's orange barley was a very distinctive taste as as
0: opposed to the normal Robinson's orange squash. I'm not sure they still do it these days, but I, I remember being offered orange barley and you were like, whoa. Your mum splashed out, hasn't she, on the orange barley? Well, exactly. It wasn't every day that came out. No, that's that's for special occasions only, that one. Let's move on to the next beer this week then. And this is from Vocation. It's Love and Hate. It's a New England IPA at 7.2%. Definitely looks like one. Well, I just want to take a moment just to read what it says on the can because some of our listeners are going to absolutely love this. So it says forget crystal clear beers with delicate flavor profiles. Our juicy and unapologetic murky new England IPA is made to leave a lasting impression. Traditionalists will hate it, but to us, it's the one <laughs> let's, let's say cheers. And then we'll give our thoughts on it. Cheers. Cheers.
1: Okay. Who's going first then? Go on. Right, well, I've uh, had this before. So I had it, again, using the Oracle that is untapped. Uh, I had it eat 10 months ago as part of the Saber B-Rex. I think it's in one of their boxes. Um, I didn't love it then. And my initial feelings now is I don't love it now either. So I'm going to, you know, When they say traditionalists, I think you can be a traditionalist traditionalist and love modern beer and modern interpretations of styles and still either appreciate or otherwise a beer one way or another. I still don't like this one. Okay, I don't hate it.
0: Um, And it's, this is leading me to a question that I think we've touched on before in terms of Have UK, New England IPAs changed? Have they begun to define their own style now rather than... We went through a period of time where we were trying to copy what was going on in the States. And to to do that, we were adding things. So we were adding oats and we were making things softer. This has an element of bitterness to me, which I'm, I'm not sure was present in this style of beer 6, 12, 18 months ago?
1: I'm not getting that. Um, To me, this is what we were doing three or four years ago if it wasn't working. This feels a bit raw, a bit undercooked. I'm getting a little bit of savoury notes on the aroma. That's not, for me, the New England style of beer. Not the ones that I tried when I was in Boston, for example, or New York. It's not the style of beers that I've tried recently from some UK brewers that have started to turn my head a little bit. This one feels like they've made up their mind. This is the one. Just go because we go unconventional, uncompromising, we love it, doesn't mean it's any fucking good. So compared to the first two beers, which cost exactly the same amount, this one has got too much ABV, too much savoury notes, and isn't balanced for me. I'm getting none of that. It's, this, this is really interesting. So I'm, I'm actually now wondering whether we're...
0: We're into different batches as as, as well here, because what, what I'm getting is I'm getting a bit of softness. I'm getting some pillowy-ness. I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will understand what I'm saying by that. There are some soft, juicy notes to it, but then I'm getting a hint of uh, a pithiness towards the finish, and then I'm getting a little bit of bitter on the finish. I'm, I'm picking up no savoury notes
1: from this at yeah. all. Straight away, I'm getting the onion savoury bit that was so prevalent in 2016, 2017, and 18 with our versions of the viewing with IPA style. Okay, on the, so, on the bottom of your can. Um, without it, without spilling it on myself.
0: Yeah, there, there, there is what looks like a batch number. So I've got um B4445.
1: Okay. Oh, blimey. I'm having to lift it. For the benefit of listeners, I'm using the torch of my phone, lifting it up in the air because I haven't entered the can yet uh uh batch 45 okay so i i seem to have potentially a blend of two previous batches i think it says 45 i said i'm using a torch so and it says best before august 22 yeah, so
0: uh, well, I've got first of August twenty two. So they're, yeah. they're clearly different batches because the, the the printing on on the bottom is different. That it's this is really interesting actually because again this is a uh, staple that is on the shelf in in, in Tesco. Um, it's one of a range that that Vocation prov- provides Tesco as as well. But I think it's interesting that despite our relative closeness in, in terms of where we live, we're, we've picked up different batches
1: from different supermarkets. I suppose the one other thing to add is that I didn't, I picked it up on a Tesco in between a journey between Milton Keynes and Essex. So it wouldn't necessarily have been the same store delivery to the same okay, type of Tesco.
0: Even so by, by the numbers that we've just spoke through there, I've got a, I I think I've definitely got a blend of two batches and you've got pure batch 45 where I've got 44, 45 and that there is definitely a difference in what we're tasting because our our listeners will appreciate that you and I have very similar tastes when it comes to things. And and if you were picking up savory notes in a beer, normally I would get those. I'm getting none of those from this. And I'm,
1: I'm probably more forgiving to the East coast style of IPA as well. Yeah. Generally. And I'm not forgiving about this at all. I'm I'm I have to admit, I'm it may change as we go along. Um, but I'm hoping the next section of the show will distract me from the beer.
0: Just before we go on to that, I just want to ask one last question about this beer. What are your thoughts on Vocation's new branding as as opposed to their old branding? I prefer the old branding. I, I prefer the old branding. I I I really do. I think I think their new branding is taking it in a way where it's hard to tell that their are beers from the same brewery, yeah, whereas their old branding was
1: you saw it and you was like, you instantly knew, I oh, know that's a vocation beer. yeah, the the branding, although the background may have been slightly different and the coloring may have been slightly different, the name and the, the the way that they wrote the word and word title, that was the same. I didn't need to think about it. It was definitely a vocation beer, so yeah this jungle book lion king type of branding for this particular beer not working for me I don't I don't really get the uh symbolism with the title either
0: no no i I was just about to say that but let's let, let's not we're, we're not going into branding that's that's not what this week's show is about what we are going to do though is talk about the listener survey that we did at the end of last year. And we're going to get into that in a bit more detail in terms of some of the feedback that we had from our listeners and our thoughts on that and how that takes the show in, in, in the future. Now, I think probably the first thing to say is, is that it's an interesting point and you raised this just before we started recording is that you and I have seen all of the responses to the, the listener survey our listeners that completed that will only know what they completed they won't know what other people have inputted in, into this so this will be a first for a lot of people and obviously what we're not going to do is we're not going to quote verbatim so to speak we are going to summarize some of the things that have come in but we're also going to use this in terms of a bit of a discussion now in terms of where we go with the podcast in in the future so first of all Thanks to everyone who completed the survey. We're we're really grateful for you taking the time to do that. Thank you also for the honesty and sometimes the frank feedback that we got. Uh, Everything that you've provided, we found really useful in terms of where we're about to take this discussion. And also we know that this is true feedback from actual listeners as well, because we never publicly advertised this link. The the only way that you, our listeners, could access this link was through show notes. We never put it on Twitter. Um, You had to be a listener of the show to take part in this survey. So we know that what we've got is actual honest feedback from our listenership. Some of the things that you fed back, we've already implemented those. Uh, We've already tried to make some changes the two that spring to mind that that possibly people haven't even noticed is that bitter and lingerness now sits at the beginning of the show rather than at the end so that we can give it a little bit more time. And, and the other one is that there was some feedback in terms of, we don't read out enough variety of comments and we're sorry if we've missed people out in, in the past and we're, we're trying to make sure we read out more of a variety of comments going forward, but other Other parts of feedback, we're going to look at more as a natural evolution of of where we go with, with the show and how things change. And I think it's important at this point, probably to mention that 2022 is the 10th year of this podcast which is a a landmark for us. And it's also a landmark for beer podcasting in the UK, which this isn't going to be the last time we bang on about it because we're proud of that as as well. But going through some of your feedback, we're going to chat through what you've said and what we think about it and what we can do about it. And we're going to highlight a few key points as well um, that we feel it's important for you, our listeners, to hear us talk about this.
1: As, as well, don't we, mine? Uh Definitely. And I just want to echo Steve's thanks for everyone who responded to the survey. So thank you very much for everyone who was honest and frank with us, because that's what we wanted. And some of it was uncomfortable at times. I'll Absolutely. be honest. Yeah,
0: yeah. Same um, here. I agree. Especially
1: for something we do as a hobby. But once you've read it and then you take that step back, it will bring us to where we will get to throughout this discussion. And I hope hopefully that'll become clear as we get through it. obviously it's important to us to
0: to have that transparency and that's that's why we're, we're going through this on air so to speak what we've done is we've tried to put this into sections and and go through
1: each section at a time haven't we yeah so we've tried to go with themes and try to mix and match some of the stuff that was said to us and try to build like steve said we're not going to go through every single answer to every single comment because we did have a fair few respondees. So again, thank you very much. So the first bracket, the positivity. What do our listeners like about what we do? I think one of the first things that came out was the community we've built. So first thing I need to say is the community was started before I came on board with the show. That was something that Stephen Mark had built up already. That that existed. The community was there.
0: Can I, can I just say at that point, though, mate, that yes, it was but I think you coming on board, we've taken that to a new level because when, when you came on board, you also brought with you a certain followership, so to speak, from Twitter that maybe may not have been aware of the podcast prior to that. So I think you've got to take some credit as well for building that community because, yes, there was a community there, but the community that we have now is a combination of what Mark and I did
1: And what you've brought to it as well. No, I'll take that. So, yeah, thank you very much, Steve. But I think it was important to acknowledge that as we are coming into the 10th year of the podcast as a whole. Um, Also, the focus on them and their engagement. And I think that, you know, what people really seem to appreciate as well. And again, this isn't universal. So is that when we do have guests on, we do give them the time as well. We give the guests the time to breathe, talk about their story. Um, And I think we spoke about this quite early on, Steve, when we started doing guests every other show, we wanted the guests to be the focus rather than you and I, and rather than you and I talking about some of the stuff we've done, it's about what have you been up to? What's your background? What's your history? What's what you're doing right now? And obviously what's coming up. So personally, I feel that's actually really important. If you're going to invite someone on the show, if you're going to invite someone to be part of what we do, I actually think it's really important to give them the time to do that.
0: I, I agree, actually, because it's, it's, there's, there's an, a, an analogy I like to use, particularly when we have our guests on that if, if you were inviting somebody to your house, you would look after that person. You would offer them food and drink and y- you'd welcome them to your environment and why would we invite a guest to our house to talk about us yeah let's the, the guest is here to talk about them we're, we you're
1: here because we're interested to hear in what you're going to tell us about what you do I actually think that's really important I don't think we've had a guest on but I do want to speak to and listen to so it may not always be to everyone's cup of tea that of the guests we have on but every guest we've had on i've always wanted to sit back crack open a beer and listen to what they've got to say and that's that's my starting point when steve and i talk about what guests we're going to have on um some other comments and again this is general thematic so our opinions are real we give honest and frank reviews um yeah we may not always find the right language we may not always find the right words but I do like to think that you can fairly trust what we say about the beer, but that is our opinion of the beer. Um, a number of the beers are sent to us. You know, we made, we, we, we disclose that when that happens. Um, but I like to think that our views of those beers versus the ones which we buy ourselves on the show are of the same level as in the same level of honesty and frankness. Um, and hopefully that will always come across.
0: I think it may very well come across on the next show we're going to do, but we'll get on to that later <laughs> on.
1: Um, views from layperson's point of view, that probably ties into what I was saying. Sometimes we don't always find the right words. We don't necessarily have the lexicon to, to give those uh, same beery highlights and views of the beers that other people can do. People have said that we make the craft beer more accessible by talking plainly about our thoughts, experience, likes and dislikes. I think we've always tried to make it conversational. Um, That was quite an early on discussion between Steve and I, that especially for the first three years of the show, it was in person. So we wanted it to be conversational. There just happened to be a mic in between us. So hopefully, even with the advent of Zoom and the pandemic we've lived through for the last two years, that still comes across like that. And to, and, and to we'll finish off this positivity about what listeners like about the show, 2021 might be your best best year yet. And it's like having a beer and a chat with your mates. And that sort of came up quite a few times in various forms. And as much as I love the first one, 2021 might, might be your best year yet. If I was going to have uh, the equivalent of an epitaph about the podcast, like having a beer and chat with your mates, exactly what we aim for. That's bang on the note we're talking about. It's almost like you sort of come in, you might join halfway through, but you can still feel like you can join into the conversation. So everyone who thinks that, thank you very much, because that is exactly what we aim for. Totally agree. And and that's what we've always strived for
0: as as well. Like, Like you said, it was, you know, we had the benefit of doing three years in person before we had to switch to doing... Mostly remotely. And it, it does make me question sometimes if 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 we had just gone straight into doing it remotely like Mark and I used to do, would we have lasted this long? I mean, I, I know you and I kind of knew each other before the podcast. We, we were friends, but from a distance, I'd, yeah. I, I'd say we were, were a lot of things together. And, and then we started doing the podcast. And I think as a consequence of that, we became really good friends. And, you know, honestly, folks, if you were party to some of the discussions we have sometimes <laughs> in, in terms of where we go into Geeksville, you probably wouldn't want to listen to some of those things. But I, I think that that cements our friendship. And, and I think the fact that we were able to do it in person before we had to do it remotely, as has enabled us to continue to do what we do so well. And I, I think that's always the thing for me. It's I, I still want us to be that. Table in a pub that if you're sat next to it and you're listening to the conversation, you're like, I want to be involved in that conversation. How can I get involved in that conversation? And one of the hardest things that we've had to do as a podcast is find a way to have our listeners engaged with what we do. We're not a live radio show, we don't do phone ins, messages into the studio, that sort of thing everything we have we do has to be retrospective and that's how we try to design the 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 podcast is that we give our listeners an opportunity to get involved in the discussions that are happening whether that's at the time whether that's a week before before via the poll or whether that's in the show after via feedback to the show there is always a way for our listeners to contribute to
1: what we do and i actually i coming up with that point that's I think that's something which always energises me again is a, even if people don't always either agree with what we say, like what we say, or want to bring up something people are listening for starters. Otherwise we're just screaming into a void. No one wants to be doing that. if They're doing a podcast. Um, and I, I, I do think we did benefit from doing it in person because yes, I think we'd got to know each other. We've done bottle share for a year or so, but yes, if you're going to spend that much time with each other that much regularly, you're going to start finding other things. So, I mean, the beer was the glue that started it off. And then we found all these other things that we had, uh, you know, in common as well. Obviously football and wrestling definitely aren't either of those two subjects.
0: (laughs) They're the (laughs) extreme ends of the spectrum.
1: Yeah. So those podcasts, for those people who want those podcasts, they may well happen one day, but we still haven't found a way to make that work for us and a and other.
0: I, I so, still think there's a way to make that work. Trust me. Yeah. Trust me. I, I I think I can make <laughs> that
1: work. Um, so, you know, but I think you're right. Yes. The, the interaction, which obviously for the way we record can't be live. And the one time we did do that live with the um, craft beer hour thing, which enormous fun, but boy, did that hour go quickly mm. <laughs> that night when we were doing that supermarket sweep thing. So yeah, the positive comments we got, we we the positive comments we get throughout the year, the positive comments we got as part of the survey were brilliant. But if there's definitely something I would want to take away from that is having a beer and a chat with your mates. And that, for me, is exactly what we aim for. So thank you very much for people who recognise it and get it, and we get that across. Thank you.
0: And once again, I'll echo that as well. The rest of what we're going to go through is developmental. It's it's feedback we've had that can make us better, maybe make some changes to the way we do things. So a couple of key points here. So first of all, some comments, which I've I've kind of put under the heading of the show is a hobby. And and I I do want to reiterate that again as a a point. We do this in our own time. This isn't what we're paid to do. We've got daytime jobs. We fit this in around it. So one of the comments was that, People don't like us featuring samples because sometimes it can feel like a bit of an advert. We don't always feature everything that we're sent, but we, and, we, and we pick and choose those. But we can't not feature things that we're sent on the show because it, it, it's kind of that double-edged sword. It's like we're, we're, we're good at what we do, so we get contacted by people to feature stuff but we don't want to feature stuff because we want to stay independent to our views. It's it's a, it's a really difficult one. I I think we're at a point where we try to strike a balance between beers that we're sent and beers that we buy. And I'm a little bit disappointed that some people feel like sometimes it can feel like an advert because we do try to avoid that in, in terms of, we're always honest in terms
1: of if we've been sent a beer. Yeah, I mean, I can get. I, perhaps I can get it to a point. So, you know, yes, I would. I would agree that. I would say, I don't know. I'm sure you've got the, the spreadsheets there, but say a, a, as a ballpark figure, over 50 percent of the beers our beers we've been sent. There are beers that a we turned down, and we have done very recently with a couple of PR companies. Either they're beers we've tried before, or we've been honest and said. We don't see how they fit in the show. We featured something from them recently. Doesn't work. You know that's not what we do, and so they won't get sent. So it's not like we just get the beer on the side. Um, so I, I can understand that. And look, don't get me wrong. If Steve and I had X amount of expendable income, and we and we had no one contacting us, then perhaps we could do that. But also, we do get to try beers that we wouldn't, A, get to try it any other way sometimes. There are beers that we have tried, and people have said to us, oh, we didn't know about them. We didn't know about that brewery. We didn't know they were located there. So sometimes people do find out a bit more about it as well. It is a tough balancing act because the whole term of influencers, and picture me doing air quotes beside that phrase, isn't necessarily the most favourable comment these days. I've I'll be honest I've never seen Steve and I as been influencers in so much as going back to the earlier comments we just try to be honest and frank still so we we never ever tried to make it like an advert and you know blimey if we we're going to be accused of being making adverts in which case Andy elusive brewing you owe us thousands absolutely for the amount that's... of times we name check elusive Oregon Trail etc but that's what we name check stuff because we are hobbyists, we are enthusiasts, and we talk about the stuff we know and love. And yes, we are lucky enough to have beers sent through to us, but it's not like we we're not we we don't get paid. We don't do advertising. Today's beers we've bought from the supermarket. So it's a trip to the supermarket. Let's buy the beers, talk about the beers, research the beers, record the show. You know, we're recording this Saturday afternoon. I would quite happily be watching the FA Cup third round if we weren't doing this show right now. So there are things that, you know, I think what, and I'm going to be brutally honest, I think people don't respect time. I think there's a value
0: that needs to be added to time. Yeah. There is a value added
1: to time. And again, I've said this every year and I'm going to say it again. I spend quite a lot of time on this show, generally answering Steve's WhatsApp WhatsApp messages going, I've got an idea. But Steve spent a lot of time contacting people, responding to people, and obviously doing the edit of the show. So, you know, we never try to purposely make it an advert. So this isn't apologising or saying that that comment is wrong, but we will bear it in mind. But we never try to make it like an advert, um, but we will try to do better.
0: Yeah, and there, there was a subsection in this as well that... Oh people said that they didn't like the term care package that, that we use when we're necessarily promoting something on Twitter, maybe. so, And that's one of the things that we've already made a change to. I've, I've dropped that phrase in. Yeah, same here. What, what we try and do now is just to do a monthly roundup of samples that have been sent on Twitter, because ultimately, at the end of the day, we get sent samples probably more so for our Twitter reach than the reach that the podcast has so those people sending us those beers expect to see something
1: as a minimum on social media as a result so we have to do that but and, we will still but, we will still sorry to interject we will still still do an honest checking of that beer and as, yes. it, as as listeners know our check-ins have are untapped and i still maintain we will do an honest checking and an honest scoring 100 i'm i'm sorry if sometimes that
0: grates the wrong way with people that we're putting a picture on Twitter and we're saying, thank you for this. But
1: in my mind, that's only manners and that's only polite. Yeah. And again, but I do, I agree with what we've said, and what Steve says, but we will try not to make it sound like an advert. That's never been part of the attention. That was something again, but when Steve invited me to come onto the show, that we spoke about, so we will try to do better. We will try to keep it in mind. And if we don't, and it feels like it please let us know
0: yeah absolutely and probably the final point on this as well is, is that we have been approached by a couple of companies to sponsor the podcast and we turn those down because we don't we don't want a sponsor of, of what we do because it's it, it makes it very restrictive and then it does become an advert yeah and uh, that's not happening that that's that's never going to happen in, in terms of where we're going in the future. Just a couple of things still under the heading of it's a hobby. I know we went very deep into that last one, but <laughs> there were some comments in terms of improving our technical knowledge around off flavors, what things should taste like.
1: Okay, but again, it's a time factor. I would love to. So let's call it, let's let's give a shout out for Nat. So beer with Nat. Um, she's been running her beer school for the last couple of years. People love that. I know that a number of our listeners have taken part in that and it's really sparked their enthusiasm. If I had the time, I would do it. My, my, my day job takes up way too much time. The, the hobby of doing this podcast takes up some additional time. I, I would love to have more technical knowledge. I would love to have the language to wrap around the technical knowledge, but it's a time thing again. Again, the day job is what pays the wages. The day job is what pays the bills. I do this because it's fun. I would say that my technical knowledge is probably better than when I started, but I wouldn't want to have to write it down, for example.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I think that ties quite nicely into the next point as well. There's a few comments in terms of, is there any chance you could do like some mini series similar to what Craft Beer Channel have done in terms of their cask beer and and, and, and those things? And quite quite simply put, the craft beer channel—that's their job. That's that's what they do for a living. They're very different to what we do. We are
1: we are still a hobby. At, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're two blokes talking about beer. And we're lucky enough that people seem to enjoy it and listen to it. And don't get me wrong—I think that what craft beer channel does, both with the, the the podcast and the YouTube channel, and that five-part series they did about saving cask—absolutely wonderful. And brilliant and loved it yeah it's still a, it's still a hobby for us
0: another key point was around the diversity on on the podcast and i'm, I'm going to read this next quote out uh, again as it was written because i think it's important to, to put this out there one of the comments said more diverse voices than white men but you already know that and i think that's true uh martin and i do accept that we are two white middle-aged men talking about beer which isn't maybe attracting the most diverse audience to what we do. We always strive to cover the entire beer industry. When that comes to guests, we can only do what we what we do. And we are trying to make changes to, to, to how we present the
1: podcast. I've got n- not really much to add. It's, it's a really difficult subject, you know, anyone who works in a any sort of, especially any any big company to talk about dni and it is a really tough tough thing to get to the right level you know what i would say is that some of the people that we do want to speak to say it took steve nine years to get melissa on the show some of that is just you know happenstance some of it is just because say melissa is so popular and so much in demand she hasn't got time to do a hobbyist podcast sometimes you know, and rightly so. She's got many other fingers and many other pies. So we will always strive to it because we love it. That's
0: always in the back of our minds in terms of the guests that we have on the show and who we talk to and how we present it. And we will continue to try and do the best we can in that
1: arena. So another another bit of a bracket that we came that came up with um, like key content uh, lacking in rants came up. Um, me and Steve never plan a rant. You can't plan a rant, can you? It just, it has to be natural, surely. Yes, if I can. Sorry, I planned that one. No, uh, <laughs> no, the point, of course it does. So I think people, you know, our listeners know us. And I think they would know if we'd planned a rant. So that would be absolutely disingenuous to our listener base if we tried to do that. Um, sometimes there'll be a spate of them. You know, when we used to do the news regularly and it used to spark our uh a a, a bit of a rant especially we did a brewed old news story it was just like i could pull the string cord and steve was off so you know but if a rant is valid and in the right way then yes i love a good rant steve loves a good rant and we've both ranted via this medium and via twitter but it definitely has to be natural Um, we will never plan one despite what might have happened and if we think one's boiling generally before the show the other one will go no i don't want to hear it save it yeah save it because it has to be natural Mm -hmm. once it's out once and this is the reason why i stopped even though i'd only blocked for a couple of years it's the reason why i stopped because once i'd voiced it it's very hard to write it down Mm -hmm. vice versa once you've written it down it's hard to voice it because you've got it out of your system that's the same with a rant in my opinion length of the show uh it's hard to know where to pitch this one because uh we've done a few short shows every now and again and people go, oh, 59 minutes. Uh and sometimes it's like this one will be, despite Steve's best efforts on the edit, it's going to be over two hours, I imagine. We have an idea when we when we did the uh weekly shows, we had a clock on it.
0: We we knew we wanted to bring them in under an hour.
1: Yes, because people had people weren't commuting we were barely allowed out of the house. We knew that we had a finite amount of time. so And also we were doing it once a week. So we, we had a, a set on that. When we have guests, we try to keep it to about 90 minutes. And there's some very good reasons for that. One is, there's going to be a slightly different technical setup with a guest on Zoom and their setup. Um, also, like we said before, we want to give the guest the lion's share of it. But also we don't want the guest to have to use up three or four hours of their Monday night, especially if they're very busy. So we try to keep that within a certain parameter. When it's us, we have a marker for ourselves, which we're not going to share. But then when we have the big shows, beer of the year, anniversary shows, this kind of one, then we sort of go a little bit freer with it. It is what it is.
0: The at way the I, I look day, at it,
1: yeah. I listen to podcasts, you listen to podcasts, Steve. When I have run out of time that particular day, I pause and come back to it. Yeah, and, and,
0: and that's the thing. That's, that's what you'll do with a podcast that you enjoy. Uh, there, there will be people out there that say that there are certain metrics in terms of podcasts, that they should only be so long so they, they hit a certain audience. I think 10 years into this, our audience knows what to expect from us. I, I You know, I'm, I'm going to genuinely say this. I don't think we're picking up huge numbers every week, huge new listeners every week in terms of what we're doing. What we have now is a loyal listener base. And that's important to us. That's probably more important to us than new listeners, because I, I think, you, you know, we maybe are approaching the end of what we do. I don't want to alert anyone. That's not coming anytime soon. But, you know, we're 10 years in now. It's it's highly unlikely that we're picking up new listeners at this point. I, I think it's... The shows are what they are. So Sometimes I will be mindful of... The, the time that i'm editing it down to but as martin's already said th- th- this show in particular i think
1: it's important that you hear everything that we've got to say in in terms of the discussion and just to be clear sometimes steve is very mindful i get a message at half five on the tuesday morning sometimes going i'm not sure about this one this is going to take a bit of work to get it down to <laughs> so and so and i'm thinking i haven't even started work yet why are you messaging me at <laughs> half five so yeah you know it's bonkers um Steve, before I go on to the rest of the comments, I have finished the vacation. I still didn't enjoy it, I'll be honest. And I'm not trying to be uh, ranty uh, for any particular reason. It just had that, for me, it still had that onion savory all the way through it. And it's it's the worst, almost the worst aspect of the English version of the UK version of New England IPAs. I got none of that.
0: I, I got none of that in mind.
1: Um, must, I actually enjoyed it. I probably enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, right. So, like I said, I had had it before. And judging by my rating, I was definitely more generous before. Um, it's going to get marked down. I didn't enjoy it. And also, I don't know why you would have on untapped, unconventional, uncompromised. It's, well, it's not hardly unconventional, is it? There is a good beer under there. For me, in this batch, if the savoury, spicy notes of this iteration could disappear, this is a good beer.
0: Well, like I said, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the the, the the tropical fruity notes that were in there. There was a little bit of bitterness for me, a little bit of pithiness on the finish. Um, it's not one that I'll rush back to, but it was, it was enjoyable enough for a, a buy off the supermarket shelf. So let's get into the final beer this week. I Do Not Seek, I Find, from Thornbridge and Newton Park. It's a West Coast IPA coming at 7%, and it was available in the last Thornbridge Beer Club box. We've both had this
1: before, haven't we? We have, yes. Now, I don't know what you're going to think now, but I enjoyed it more the first time than you did, I believe. I struggled with the term West Coast. Okay. The first time Let, I had this. Let's leave that there. Let's say cheers and see what we think. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so which bit of the West Coast labelling did you not like? Or did you not agree with? It might be a better way of saying it. I thought it was a bit
0: soft and fruity in the middle. And I didn't think there was enough bitterness on the finish.
1: Okay. I'd, I I would agree with you that, especially after the beers we've just had, if it was a full-on Westie, it would probably be even more cutting right now on the bitterness because all the other beers has been quite soft. Yes, um, yeah. So that bit I definitely get. I would say, but up until that point, no, I found it quite West Coast influenced. Did you just find it literally too soft, as in not enough? Was it too rounded? I think it was just
0: too soft, yeah. I think if you take what Thornbridge do... And let's, let's use a beer that we've maybe only mentioned once or twice on this podcast, Jaipur, in, in terms of their benchmark IPA. It's an IPA. It's never been labelled as anything other than that, but it is very much in the, the West Coast styling of an IPA. Take Jaipur, it's a very cutting, it's bitter and it, it hits you in the face. And I, I just think that that's got to be Thornbridge's benchmark in terms of producing a West Coast IPA. And this beer doesn't do that for me. But this is a, a collaboration, isn't
1: it? It is, but it's still brewed at Thornbridge. Yeah, but surely you've got to have a bit of both. So, you know, I, like I said, I, I actually think up until... I, I definitely agree with you. The finish is not as cutting, dry, bitter... And sometimes I find it quite hard to distinguish between dry and bitter as a as a term, but I, I agree with that. But I think up to that point, it, it ticks the boxes. It's very easy to drink for seven point
0: two percent. Again, that comes back to one of the things that Thornbridge do really well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, they do make beers which you can drink and drink and drink. And you and I have both been dry poured at more than once. I I actually really enjoyed this beer the first time, enjoying it the second time. I think this is a it's a collaboration. It's got a bit of Thornbridge. It's got a bit of the other brewery. Who did you say it was again? Newton. And I don't really know much. Right. I I don't know much about what they do. Maybe what they do is a, a soft pillowy finish. I don't know. But I, I definitely get a bit of Thornbridge in this beer. I think it's
0: difficult to argue against any, any of the beers that have appeared in the Thornbridge, Thornbridge Beer Club in the last year that haven't had a little bit of a Thornbridge influence in them. They probably don't belong in that box, to be honest with you. It's, it's what they do. What they do is a very balanced beer very, very well. Sometimes they are able to ramp that up to the next level, and sometimes they just sit in the lane that they're comfortable with.
1: Like I said, I, 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 I've probably been a bit more forgiving with this one with you. I, I really enjoyed it the first time, enjoyed it the second time, given what I thought about the vacation. This is very welcome as we dig into the last a few bits of the listener survey let's power through come come on folks you're still with us we're nearly there we're nearly there on this uh so a couple of comments so bittering lingerness and questions can feel a bit squeezed yes you were you were probably right actually about this um there are times when we've had a really good conversation whether that be with a guest previously or just steve and i and then we've got a certain amount of time we think oh There's actually quite a few questions, quite a few comments. We won't do them justice. And maybe we don't do that. So, as Steve said, this is something we've already implemented. And actually, it feels quite good, actually talking about what people have thought about previous shows at the start, because it's like, right, this is the back end of last, last show. And now we go into the next show. But we haven't forgotten what you were saying. And it gives us a little chance to dig into it a little bit more. So... Who the, the the people who responded to that and suggested that that was a really good point because I don't think we'd recognised that before. I think mean, because of the terminology, bittering, lingering, felt like it should be at the end. That's where we put it.
0: I, I think it was that, and all, all, also from the, the the natural flow of what we did, it was like opinions, feedback, finish. That, that 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 was how we ran the show. And and I know when this this comment first came in. It was one of the very early comments on the on, on the listener survey, and we we literally picked it up straight away. And I was like, we need to change this. Let's let's try bitter and lingerness at the beginning of the show. And, and I've got to say, I was really disappointed that not a single person actually picked <laughs> up on it. No, no, not a single person said, why is bitter and lingerness right? Right. At the beginning now. But I, I think it's in the right place now. And as, as you say, it allows us to actually
1: go into a bit more detail around what people are feeding back. And also why it's still fresh in our mind before we get onto the the new topic or subject. So yeah. that's the reason why we do the survey. It's people from the outside in. It's very, sometimes it's really obvious when you're in it to go, well, oh, that's the right place for it. So thank you very much for that. That's, that was actually really, really valuable. Um, opinions and the polls. Recent polls have been a bit weak. The questions need to be clearer. Yes, we'll be honest about that. Um, totally agree, yeah. <laughs> I would tell you, actually, sometimes it's a bit of a struggle to come up with a poll every week. Um, it's very – we never want to do a polarising poll. We know, we don't deliberately try to do a poll which is a negative, positive, um, angry – because that, that sometimes that would be the easy thing to do, and we're never trying to do that. Um, we actually generally want not just people voting, it's the comments – you know, if we've got 10 votes and 30 comments, the 30 comments are way more valuable than 10 votes by a long way. So yes, we don't always nail it. And sometimes, you know, you as listeners, you already know that Steve and I aren't always great with words and pronunciation. And sometimes we back these polls back for days and we think, yep, yeah, we've nailed it, we've nailed it. And then the first comment is, What do you what do you mean by this? It's like, mm. oh, how did we not think of that? And that's always a really
0: hard one on me as well. When 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 I'm the person that's putting that tweet yeah. out, is is that that within the first ten comments you get four people saying, "I don't get what the what what you're asking." It's like, and I literally sit there and I'm like, as you say, we've batted this backwards and forwards for days, and we think we've got it right, and it's really tough when you when when you get that sort of feedback.
1: Yeah, it's. So yeah, um, we'll never be perfect on that one. And it's the ideal poll is a really clear, clean question with a really clear, clean yes or no type of response. But ideally, we don't always want a yes or no because if you do yes or no, you probably don't feel obliged to comment. So it's it's that balance between the right kind of question, the right kind of poll and still encouraging people to give the comments. So it is a balancing act and it is a tough one. And whether it, you know, whether it will be all the time, I don't know. It's it's probably starting to run out of questions, to be honest, Steve. That probably brings us on to what's next
0: in terms of what's the next chapter for opinions? Where do we now take the podcast based on all of this feedback that we've had and how do we keep making it fresh for you, our listeners. Now, obviously, the opinions discussion is our MO. That's that's, that's the key point of, of the podcast. But the what we've said there is that we know that the polls, over the last few weeks, months, have decreased in terms of the number of people voting, the engagement that we're getting, the comments that we're getting. And... After, I think you mentioned we've done a lot of them, it's over 350 polls that we've done. After, after that many polls, it's difficult to keep coming up with new questions. And I, I suppose the simple question is, have they had
1: their day? Has, has the opinions poll had its day? I'll be honest, I, there is a little bit of me that thinks it has. Not just for us maybe on a a wider point I think you can you can always ask a really basic question and get lots of votes and lots of engagement for yes no maybe that kind of thing but that doesn't do anything for the show that doesn't give us the chance to engage with people who follow the show either listening to it or on Twitter so I don't know if a poll every week a poll every week just before the show comes out is what you and I now need and also if I'm being honest Steve it, if we weren't doing a poll it would take quite a lot of pressure off us as well uh, absolutely I,
0: I i agree and i, I think it's, it's it's interesting because that's always been our thing but what do we do to evolve what 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 do we do to keep what we're doing Engaging and something
1: that the listeners want to listen to. So, exactly, because I don't want to just be you and I, and that sounds really weird, but sometimes we were driven by events. So, the Beaver Town Heineken one, three, 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 four years ago now, um, that was a big thing that made its own show. But that's a once every so often event. I still want to be driven, especially with the us shows, to coin a phrase, by how we engage with people who listen to us and engage with people who talk to us on Twitter. Otherwise, it's just you and I.
0: Yeah, okay. So I, I think maybe that's, that's the first point that we need to address is that moving forward, I, I, I think we move to us shows, and to guest shows, which means in in our cycle of shows, we we, we release a podcast every two weeks. It it means there'll be an us show once a month, there'll be a guest show once a month. And I think the us shows will be the shows where we talk about the topics that are essentially those opinions, polls. The guest shows will maybe move more towards being even more about the guest And less about what we do but I think that's just a natural evolution of what we do because I think there have been times in the past where we've done the guest shows and we've still wedged opinions and bitter and lingeringness into those shows and particularly over the medium of zoom you and I have sat there and we've we've seen the guests essentially disengage for those parts of the show so I, I think it's it's important to distinguish between. We we don't just want to become another podcast that is constantly interviewing a brewery 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 brewery. That's what we do. We still want to be opinions, which is you and I talking about shit. Ultimately, um, but and we do that. We do that bit really well. We do that no, we, really really. We yeah. can talk shit for hours. But in but in between those, we're going to feature guests that you might want to listen to. You might want to buy their beers from from, and we're still going to do that in a way that brings out stories that maybe you wouldn't hear elsewhere so what what do we do in terms of how we do our shows moving forward so what one of the things that's in my mind is that actually the the, the, the polls have had their day i, I think in, in the, the the stats would show that engagement is at an all time low and we should probably
1: stop doing that right let's put it sorry just to interrupt for to put it another way we haven't done a poll for about four weeks as the time of recording yep i haven't seen anyone leap out and go where's your poll no no
0: one's asked yeah yeah so i think moving forward i think the the way that and and it's important to us and i'm not sure we've stressed this enough i think we might have done during this this episode it's still important to us to have listener engagement to what we do so so moving forward i think what maybe one of the things we do is is that we do a poll but we simply ask people would you like us to discuss topic a or topic b they vote on that they give us their opinion on the topic they're voted for and then we discuss that topic and that topic is still something within the beer industry and that still gives you and i an opportunity to or
1: or and this is completely unscripted sorry or maybe we ask people to ask us to ask that as a poll question. So rather than you and I coming up with the question, two questions, should we discuss this or this, other people ask us to ask that question. How, how would they ask us to ask that question? Well, they can, they can do it by DM. You know, our, D, our DMs are open. Whether it be your DM, my DM on the show, DM, they're open. So sometimes maybe we don't even come up with the subject at all.
0: OK, so so basically we move from discussing a poll to discussing a subject and that subject then forms the opinions part of the podcast. Yeah. But that will only get revisited in a month's time. Oh, no, 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 no.
1: sorry. Because well, in meant... between that, you're going to have the guest show. Yeah. What I mean is um, rather than you and I trying to come up with the initial question or the questions should we discuss this or this? The listeners ask us. The listeners suggest the question that we put to people.
0: Yeah, so that's that's that's
1: still the feedback and that's still the engagement of the show, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and that, that's, what we, that's what we still need. Otherwise, it could become quite a narrow field that you and I talk about. For the best will in the world, again, going back to our original comment about being hobbyists, I, I miss a lot of stuff on Twitter, I'll be honest. Um, sometimes uh so we steve and i are part of a whatsapp group with our bottle share crowd and some some stuff will come up and i'm gonna i completely missed that today the the day job has wiped me out i missed that so sometimes i won't even have a question i won't even have a view about something but if someone else comes up with uh, a question or a few listeners come up with something maybe that's the way forward i just think it probably needs to be less you and I driving it now. Yeah, we always want to be listener-centric,
0: ultimately, at, at, at the end of the day. And I think that's that—that's the thing that will still make us us and make us unique in the UK beer podcasting scene, is, is that we are driven by our listeners. And we will continue to play with that over coming shows. But we want to encourage you, our listeners, to continue to feedback on that as well. So if, if something's not landing right, if you don't think it sounds right, or if you don't, if you don't feel like it's opinions, then let us know. And, and we will, we will continue to evolve this. I think, I, th- I think we're in a process, we're, we're, we're at a point now where, as, as I've said a couple of times, we're, we're, I'm 10 years into this podcast. If, if, if we're going to continue to be relevant, we've got to continue to be engaging and if we're going to be engaging it's got to be what you folks want to listen to so you've got to tell us what you want you want to hear from us it's as simple as that and we will continue to try to provide the best we can for you spot on yeah if if we don't get it right let's know You, you know the dms are open you can use the hashtag opinions and 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 we'll we'll hear you we will continue to listen to you so moving forward what can we commit to from this point? What have some of the listeners suggested to us in terms of what we're going to do going forward? So, some of the ideas for the future that we had were um, some way to support the show. Can we do some merch, that sort of thing? It's very difficult to do that without, as as hobbyists, without us losing money upfront, so to speak. Because it's scale,
1: yeah, it just boils down to scale. So. When Clayton and I running the beer club at work, decided we wanted to get some uh, beer glasses. It was still scale, but I had I had a I had an organisation behind me who could help support that. Unless you've got a lot of people being keen about something, or someone willing to do something at a very really small scale, and they're also willing to either take a loss or break even, it's tough. It's very tough. We'd love to have opinions merch all over the place. One of
0: the things we are looking at for this year is, again, because it's the anniversary, is maybe doing a limited edition run of glassware, but we we don't we, – we've got to put that out at a cost that covers our costs. We don't want to make any profit on, on, on this. Let's put that out there right now. But if, if we're going to do a glass that's got a, a opinions logo on it that celebrates 10 years of what we've done, that's going to cost a certain amount of money to cover – production, printing, postage, packaging, and all the rest of it. And if, if our listeners aren't going to buy that, then there's no point in us doing it. So again, let, let us know if that's something that you would be interested in. One of the other things that was suggested was we restart our own beer journeys by drinking the beers we did when we started. I think that's a tough one because that's going to involve us going back and drinking a lot of beer that
1: maybe we don't want to drink. There are certain aspects of that I wouldn't mind doing. I'll be honest. I I think there would also be an element of cherry picking. I think I'd only want to drink the beers in the past, what I'm still drinking now, but I don't know how you would do it. It's almost like you'd need to drink the beers as they were then. Yeah, we can can maybe
0: think about that one. Lots of comments for this one. Bring back the homebrew specials. Hold that right there. We're going to come back to that. Bring back the regional shows that highlight new and smaller breweries. That's something we can look into, I, I, I think. We've, we've got enough listenership around the country that will allow us to tap
1: into what's going on regionally. Oh, definitely. And, you know, some of, the, some of those shows have been some of our best ones because, again, Steve and I are learning something new as well. That's, yeah. that's what we really enjoy. So some other comments have been more shows like the Lager Special. The lager special was excellent. I'll be honest. I really enjoyed that, yeah. That lager special doesn't happen without, I'll be honest, without the pandemic. The the ability to connect up with four lager-producing breweries of such high esteem in the UK on Zoom and drink their beers while chatting to the people who made them. Absolutely brilliant. Loved that. Absolutely loved that. And can we do things like cider, table beer, cask mild new england ipa i'm not sure how many cask milds me and steve get in one place at one time i'll be honest
0: i i think the thing with those suggestions for focusing on one style is 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 that when we did the lager special that there were only those breweries and maybe a couple of others that we couldn't include that were doing that style in the uk in in terms of New England IPA, it seems like everyone's doing that. So, how would we do a special that would focus on
1: the very best that do that? I think you could do that, but I was more thinking about cast mild. So, say cast mild. How could we, in one place at one time, drinking cast mild? I, literally, I'm talking about logistics more than anything else. I don't even like mild. So I know you don't. I would drink cast mild. I have no problem with it. And if you could magic up four fantastic cast miles all in one place at the same time, I'll do the show on my own. I don't need Steve for that one. <laughs> just need me to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. A behind-the-scenes episode. Um, I guess you're getting a little bit of this. Just pretty minus much this the, show, isn't it? Yeah, the, minus let's the be spreadsheets. Yeah. And let's face it, spreadsheets to the person not compiling the spreadsheet is pretty dull. Hopefully you're getting a bit of behind the scenes stuff right now, because a lot of this we haven't thought about or discussed. So hope you're enjoying it. Visual shows, faces for radios.
0: I, I think it's, it's just the, the time that goes into producing a visual content. I, I, I really enjoyed the shows when, back when we used to recording your kitchen, And we used to do a little bit of Periscope Uh, beforehand. I was going to Periscope? Oh, I seem to retro now. I mean, Periscope is gone now. That's now Twitter Live. But I used to enjoy doing that because it was a way for us to connect with our listeners and and some idiots that were out there. I'm not sure it's ever going to happen, purely because I don't have the the tech know-how to make it happen. It's as simple as
1: that. And also, going back to earlier comment, Craft Beer Channel they do youtube they do it really well you don't need us on there why
0: would we go into a space where somebody else is already very dominant in that space and
1: excelling yeah excelling at it so uh, i'm I'm more that more than happy with the term internet radio for now revisiting the golden age uk ipa cannonball axe edge Uh, all right might have mentioned axe edge once already on this show I've already had my fond memories of Axe Edge almost ruined by Buxton over the last couple of years. I haven't had Cannonball for about 18 months, I reckon. that's a I can't vague... remember the
0: last time I drank Cannonball.
1: I, don't, I would have to look on Untapped. Um, I wouldn't be adverse to doing that. And I do think that our, Steve and I's golden age of beers, so to speak, that West Coast influence beers have had a bit of a resurgence over the last year to 18 months. So I wouldn't be adverse to it, but even like... Did even the Cannibal Run, you know? That's another two years ago now. I can't that's... remember the last
0: time that happened. And I've no... I, I've no... I i don't believe it will ever happen again. I, th- I think yeah. Magic Rock have move past that based on yeah. who owns them and the costs
1: of doing it. So that's probably... A nice suggestion, but I'm not sure that one will happen that soon, if I'm being honest.
0: Right right, right now, the sub-question to that that point, which is, are there modern
1: equivalent core beers?
0: The only one I can think of is Oregon trap
1: Yeah, um, which we may have drunk quite a lot of and mentioned quite a lot of. So no you may, may not need to hear that one just so soon.
0: Based on all of that that we've discussed, then what can our listeners expect from what we're going to do going forward. So this is in the coming year certainly in the next couple of weeks months that sort of thing. What we know we've got going on so far is we're going to implement some changes and some of those obviously you've you've maybe heard already. So a bit this really now appears at the beginning of the show and we continue to evolve the show format. Um, however, it will still be opinions as you know and love it. We're also committing to featuring a greater diversity of guests. Um, However, those guests have to be right for what we do. And in terms of our output and the show and making sure it's not just a guest for the
1: sake of featuring a guest, they've they've got to be part of of, of what we do. Oh, yeah, definitely. So... Rever- reverting back to what you said before about referencing dni it's got to be for the right reasons the right people and fit with us so we don't want it just to be here we go here's so- and so that's never going to be what we're going to do but we have got some things already planned that may or may not come as a surprise to uh listeners spreadsheets have been made spreadsheets have been typed on so we have a we've got little earth coming up we're featuring Danny and Tom uh, to talk about the beers, the pub, what they've done before, what's coming up. That's going to be really exciting, if nothing else, because we are featuring free sour beers on the show, which Steve will be drinking. And I get to see the Steve Sour Face maybe once, twice, three times. We, we might try to get some screenshots for, for those that love the visual content. Yes, of Steve grimacing. Uh, so, other shows coming up. We do have uh, some stars of Sunday Brunch. Mark Dredge and Gabe Cook will be on forthcoming shows uh, in February and March. Very much looking forward to that. Homebrew special. I've never done a homebrew special. The homebrew specials all occurred on the Old Beer O'Clock show. We're going to have a homebrew special. We'll return before June this year. Very much looking forward to that. And finally, Unless the world goes to even more shit than it has over the last two years, summer sesh will be happening two day in Birmingham and the surrounding area, 3rd and 4th of June, which is an extended bank holiday weekend for those people who don't already know. Check your diaries, check your calendars, whether it be electronic or paper. There are two, two days on the at the end of the first week of June where you have time off. Book it. Extend your week. We're going to be in Birmingham. We'll be there.
0: I'm really looking forward to all of that. I'm looking forward to the guests that we've got coming on the show. I'm really looking forward to some sesh and just catching up with people that we've not seen in person in years. That's just going to be so good. That's not the only thing coming up this year, though. We've got the 10th anniversary special of the Beer O'Clock show coming up in July. Not sure what it looks like at the moment, but it will be
1: some sort of special thing that we'll do to commemorate 10 years of podcast. Not, not commemorate, that sounds, that sounds like someone's died. It's a, we're going to celebrate. 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 We're going to celebrate, celebrate the 10 years anniversary Chris. of the UK's longest running beer podcast.
0: I'm pretty sure that that will be a first. I don't think there's a UK beer podcast that has consecutively run for 10 years. So I I think that's something to celebrate, and I'm looking forward to celebrating that. The specials will continue, but they are special, and they will pop up as and when we're able to create them. Um, They're booked when the opportunity presents itself. So look out for those in the coming year. And a little longer term, Opinions 200 is rapidly closing in on on us that will be coming up and we'll be doing something special around that obviously that's everything we've got planned thanks to everybody that fed back and have gave us their views and opinions on what we do it's going to enable us to shape how we go forward opinions may not be the same going forward we 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 feel as though it's the time is right to change what we do We just need to find a way to make sure that at the core of what we do is still you folks, our listeners, because Martin and I can talk, we could, we can talk forever, but we also want to include our listeners in this discussion. So um, please continue to get involved in what we do. Please continue to use that hashtag opinions and, and get involved in every discussion that we have.
1: I have nothing else to add. Um, Thank you everyone who contributed to the survey, contributed to this show and let's have a good 2022 and there'll be lots more opinions coming your way. I'm looking forward to that.
0: Shall we get some final thoughts on the I do not seek, I find, which the I'm, I'm going to say right now is that it's the most difficult beer name I've ever had to try
1: to say. Yeah, it's, it's it doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? Also, it's not very easy to read. White white text on a yellow label. Yeah, but I am still I still think I'm a bit more forgiving in the beer. I think apart from the very end of it, it ticks all the West Coast boxes. And you have finished, so it's not like you hated it. I didn't hate it. I just
0: didn't. I don't think it's a West Coast IPA. Wow. What, what an introduction to 2022 this has been, mate. Sorry, folks, if you feel <laughs> as though it's been a bit too long. But we felt as though we needed to discuss that in person with, with you all. I'm glad you stuck with us. We have got some exciting things coming up. We've already spoke about
1: what's coming up next. Martin, what is coming up on the next show? So literally the next show is Danny and Tom for Little Earth Project. Very excited about this. I love their beers. I love their whole ethos. I can't wait to have a a Zoom conversation with them, watching Steve drinking their sour beers. Bring it on. I'm really looking forward to that as well. In the meantime, thanks to all of our listeners for joining us once again.
0: We'll look forward to sharing more opinions with you very soon. Cheers. Cheers.